Six-Pack Lapidot, I want to give a quick shout-out to our partners, the strength guys in this app that we have. It can be found at positionsofpower.programs with an S dot app. And the strength guys who coach people like Taylor Atwood, have you heard of him? He's pretty good. Uh, they've had several world champions, several national champions, and uh, I mean, a laundry list of records, national records, world records have been broken, etc. But they have an app with their elite level programming available, video tutorials. Uh, I mean, the whole nine, it's one stop shop once you're in here. There's a Discord where they're doing video review of your lifts. Um, to get all your lifts analyzed so you get elite level programming and coaching for $29.99 US a month. Positionsofpower.programs.app. Go there and get yourself started. <laughs> The boys are back, and um, we we had some people asking, when's the podcast? When's the emergency podcast? Let's hear it. So here it is. We want to take our time with this one, though. Sometimes you want to rush in, and, um, and if you get all your ducks in a row, fine. You can hop in there like that. But want to take a minute. You take an extra day. The IPF releases a statement. USCPL re- releases a statement. IPF releases another one about a new federation. Um, we have time to gather some hosts for, for a bit of a balanced panel. Uh, Mike T will be joining us long time USAPL, you know, affiliate Mike T obviously me and Rory aren't even American. So we, we have no affiliation. So it's good to have a balanced panel for these kind of discussions, especially when it's so political, like this type of, of discussion. So that was also important to us. Um, and wanted to be able to gather, um, you know, some information, a lot of people we were discussing before we started recording aren't as deep in powerlifting nerds as us. And they're casual fans who love a good battle, maybe some big lifts and that's it. But there, you've got to be a super nerd into a sport when you're this deep into the politics. So until the shoe drops and there's, and something really big happens, all the leading up to some people just don't pay attention to and why would they God bless you know, they're just living their lives. They got bigger things to do. Right. Um, but the shoes drop, it's happened. Something big has happened. And a lot of people now are like, catch me up. What is going on here? What did I miss? I'm seeing that a lot in the comments of some of the Federation's posts. So maybe let's catch people up, um, Rory. And, and, and by the way, it's, it's big bill and, and Rory with us and Mike T will be joining. And of course your boy, six pack Labanette. Rory, maybe if you would like to catch us up, sir, with um, obviously this has been going on for years, but more recently, exactly. What have we in the past few years, what have we been dealing with? How did we get here? So I'm going to uh, try summarize this in a way that's sort of fair to all of the parties involved. I think it would be really easy to sort of describe one side as being quote unquote, the bad guys. And I just don't think that's fair. So I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to try and take a, like a really balanced approach to this. So I think the disagreement that we're seeing sort of boil up today is ultimately a difference in values between the USAPL and the IPF. 
So the USAPL has a mission to provide drug-free sport at all levels uh, to America. And the IPF's mission is to get powerlifting to a state that it can go into the Olympics. And there's a, there's a number of consequences of each of those beliefs. And so that's sort of what I'm going to talk about. So to get into the Olympics, you need to do a whole bunch of things. One of them is you need to be compliant with WADA. So WADA is the anti-doping agency, uh, the world anti-doping agency. And they're responsible for setting a whole bunch of restrictions around not just substances that you're not allowed to take, which is what people tend to think of them as being, uh, but also systems that you're not allowed to follow. Uh, so that includes things like sort of, uh, you know, blood doping and stuff like that. Um, and as well, it also sets up uh, protocols for looking after drug tests and the way that those are reported and so on, right? It's much more than just a wider drug test tests for these things. It's a wider drug test is done by this kind of person under this kind of circumstance with this kind of uh, decision to get to this, to decide to test this person. And then the sample is looked after in this way and it's tested in this way. The USAPL takes a really different route to this. And so they go for a volume approach where they uh, do a very large number of tests, but those tests are of proportionately lower quality. And so the tests are done not in, mostly not in water accredited labs. Uh, they're quite a lot cheaper. They test for fewer substances. Uh, but in my opinion, more importantly than testing for fewer substances, they also, uh, the protocols for looking after the sample are much less stringent. And that's part of what makes the test much, much cheaper is that instead of having to have a person sort of put it in a locked capsule and look after it and sort of keep chain of custody record the whole time, uh, it can just be sort of someone uh, like one of our friends who is a referee sort of can just take that sample and, and, and go and do that. And, and so and that, I'll, I'll throw one thing in there just because yep. I know you're going to get a little heat in this. So if I throw it in there, you won't get heat. They have their own policy saying you have to, stamp it, sign it, the whole nine and, and whatever. But I think your point is not that they don't do that, but that it's their own people doing that. And that's where the conflict, it's not a third party doing that. I think that's the biggest, because I right. had last time we said that's that right. people got yep. upset. Yeah. Yeah. And so, th so the, the importance of third party is that it, when it's done by somebody who doesn't know what powerlifting is, or doesn't care about powerlifting, uh, it's, it's quite different to having someone within your own organization. You can imagine that, of course, I believe that the vast majority of people who are members of powerlifting federations are trustworthy, but you can imagine that there are some people within that federation who, for one reason or another, might not want a particular person to get tested or might not want or, or might not care about the quality of the te those tests and things like that. So it's the, the fact that a, a third party person is doing that it makes it a little bit different. So. Uh, this was largely fine until sort of, I want to say 2019 or so, uh, where the USAPL did uh, a number of uh, about 15% what they called WADA tests, which are tests done in WADA accredited labs uh, to the, against the list of banned substances provided by WADA. But to be clear, they are still done, the sample is still taken by someone from the USAPL. So it's not like a full WADA test in the, in the way that the IPF would like um, and about 85% done in the other way that I've described. Um, and up until about 2019, that was considered generally fine because there was no restriction against doing additional testing. There was only a restriction that you must do this amount of like wider accredited testing. So that was all fine until wider introduced a new rule. And I think that was late 2019 uh, where they said that actually all of the testing that you do must be to the standard. You can't do additional testing on top of that. You should put all of your budget into doing it this way. 
And so, and the IPF sent out a statement saying, by the way, all member nations, you must now follow the standard because we are signatories to the wider code and the US signatories to us are now bound by that. Please, please do that. Um, and the USAPL said, no, uh, we're going to keep doing it the way that we would like to do it uh, because we'd like to maintain the number of tests that we do. Um, of course, the wider tests would be much more expensive. Um, and so they would either have to spend a lot more money to maintain the level of testing that they do, or they would have to reduce the amount of testing that is done. And so they said, no, we're not going to do that. And as a result, they were suspended. Uh, and then they there was a court hearing earlier this year where the IPF asked for damages effectively and the USAPL uh, deemed not to show up at the court hearing and effectively as such, they were handed a reasonably big fine. I want to say it was 5,000, was it 5,000 euros or 5,000 USD? It was one of those. Um, and just recently, uh, just a, a couple of days ago at the Extraordinary General Assembly and uh, Stavanger, is that how you say that? Stavanger, Norway, uh, in a, I'm going to call it near unanimous because no one voted against, but rather 24 countries voted to exclude the USAPL and three nations didn't vote. Uh, so 27 total nations who were there, uh, 24 voted to, to exclude the USAPL. And that is how we got to where we are today. Hey, Mike, good timing. We're just finishing a wrap up. <laughs> Literally just said, and that's how we got to this point. And here is Mike T joining us now. Um, yeah, and here we are. You know, we we had uh, Mike on before, and we've discussed this a couple different times. And um, frick, man, initially we held out hope. I can't remember last time it was, Mike, how long ago we were talking about this, but we all kind of held out hope um, that something would be worked out. And looks like it's just not possible. You know, it's uh, it is it is actually happened 24 years. I believe the USAPL was a member of the IPF, um, the biggest national federation, you know, the most membership, um, obviously in, in the classic division, extremely strong. And, uh, you know, one repeated years. And now here we are. We got a split and things are going to get a little scary. However, I you know what? I want to throw it to Mike. This is a good introduction here. You had a good post, Mike, and this is a scary time. And you said in this scary time, uncertain time, a lot of people are going to throw some hot takes. But you you said stay calm and just let you know. Let me, why don't you tell it? Because you're going to sell it, tell it better. Yeah, um, I mean, it definitely was a post inspired by recent events, but uh, not limited to them. You know, it's there's a heuristic that I've uh, tried to use whenever I can remember it. Uh, when in doubt, develop the situation. And it applies here in this case, because if you happen to be one of the lifters affected uh, by this split, which is going to be you know, a handful of top tier American lifters, honestly, for now, um, just make the decisions that keep your options open for now because there's so much that's unknown. You don't want to close any doors yet. You know, as, as you get more information, things will feel a bit more certain to you. Um, I think a lot of anxiety for people uh, as it relates to decision-making is uh, related to just the sense of, of uncertainty, the sense of not knowing which decision is the right decision. Well, develop a situation which 
would mean go out and get the information that would give you more certainty to the extent that that's possible. Sometimes you just need to wait, you know, and waiting is a course of action. So, uh, hey, if you're just going to bide your time, not make any strong commitments until you see a little bit more about what's going on, uh, maybe something will speak to you and inspire you and give you a little bit more certainty on what you want to do. I like you, what you just, sorry, go ahead, Rory. I was just going to ask, Mike, are you familiar with the uh, Kinefin framework? No. Uh, it's a thing we use in software that when you find yourself in a situation which is moving too fast and when you don't know what the variables are, um, to, to, to take the action that uh, allows you to find out what the important variables are, which sounds very similar to what you're describing. I like what you said yeah. is waiting is an action as well. Waiting is an action yeah. sometimes, right? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, sometimes no action is an action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes. Yeah. So you're going to say something, Mike, to what Rory said. Yeah. I, I love stuff like this because it does end up connecting to a lot of other things. Uh, there's, and I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but one of the commenters in the post that I made brought up a, a similar story heuristic that was uh, elsewhere as well, which I don't know, maybe to me, gives the thing a bit more credibility. You know, multiple people are kind of coming to similar conclusions in a bunch of different disciplines. Yeah, it, it's definitely, um, it's it's a time of uncertainty for sure. And a lot of people, it, it, it just, it, you're, you're right in that, in life in general, when you have some anxious times, it's probably not the best moment to start making some big decisions if you feel this anxiety and uncertainty, is just sometimes fall back and collect some information. And don't shut any doors yet. Just collect some information and relax a little bit. And then you can have uh, a better conversation with yourself and decide, all right, well, maybe I go this way. Maybe I go that way. Cause this thing is still, this is fluid. We just got, we just found out. We haven't even actually read the press releases yet. Um, you came in Mike and we hadn't read the press releases just yet. Maybe we'll get into that, but you know, they, they they're just dropping. Some of these are a day old, you know, the new federations a day old. No one knows anything about it. No one knows anything about a lot of things. Um, you know, the pro series, we got one going, whatever. There's a lot of things that are fluid. We don't know. So it's like, all right, hang on a second here, right? Like what's, what's going on? Bill, what are you thinking, sir? We haven't got you, you yet. We'll get into the press releases and discuss a little more, but what are your thoughts with all this as a, as a coach and athlete? This is tough, man. I mean, it's been 15 years in the same federation, you know, coaching, competing. It's like, you know, that's all I've known basically. Right. So every athlete I've gotten, I've said, Oh, this is the way to go. This is the way to go. Um, you know, going towards the USAPL obviously. And then with that leading into the IPF being the ultimate goal for, you know, most of the people that you're signing up for meets, even if, you know, there's never a chance in the world it's going to happen. It's still, you know, one of the goals that's on their list at some point. Um, so, yes, it's a really confusing time. I mean, because, you know, we're not just, you know, athletes that compete. We're also coaches of these athletes that compete. So, you know, there's a lot of emotions we're dealing with, not just my own, but now 45 other people. <laughs> like, what do yeah. we do? What do we do? What do we do? Kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough, man. It is uh, there's a lot going on for sure. I mean, the phone is buzzing like crazy constantly. So that's where, like Mike said, where it's like, just relax a minute. Just collect your heads. I don't know. I don't have all the answers for you. You know, let's just relax a second. Um, and Mike, you have a lot of international lifters. I know RTS in particular um, has a big international 
you know, it's, you have like tons of world champions, world record breakers and et cetera, over the years in different nations. Um, and so this is, you're an American and it doesn't necessarily affect them on the surface, but they are IPF lifters as well. And they identify as IPF lifters. So it's, it's, how does that, how do you think that affects you? Cause you might be in this weird, like you might have some people in the USCPL still, you might, you'll have some people in the IPF. And then you're like, what am I supposed to do as a coach? What am I allowed to do? What is, you know, or have you, have you, have you been thinking about all this? Yeah. Yeah. I've had some conversations uh, with some folks and, I don't know. I may, I guess this is one of those areas as well where we need some clarification. I am under the impression that the, uh, so what a lot of coaches are concerned about is uh, the uh, kind of exclusionary rules, right? That if you coach lifters in this federation, then uh, you won't be allowed to coach lifters in the other federation. Kind of thing. Um, and so far, it seems like that's going to flow one direction that the IPF would ban people for that, but USCPL has said that they wouldn't. Um, so it still kind of puts you in the middle of a choice. But my understanding so far is that that's always historically been enforced for, like, like in, a, in an official capacity. You know, like if you just show up to a, a competition and you're a spectator or you're a backstage handler and you don't appear on any sort of score sheet or anything like that, then the IPF has traditionally not been interested in people like that. So I don't know to what extent that's going to affect coaches. Now, if you have somebody like Phil who's serving as a national team coach, that's different. And yeah, that's not so yeah it is um you're right some precedence has to be set uh we'll have to see how it unfolds because sometimes i mean there's just so many lifters in the u.s with so many local meets you got to think um if people are sending emails to a global body with like over a hundred member nations i don't think they're checking out an email that says hey i saw this guy at a local meet handling they're going to be like, all right, well, guess what? <laughs> you know, be, I don't know if they're like, I'm not setting up a hotline for that. That's uh, we got big fish to fry here. However, if it was like, like you said, maybe, you know, it, it depends. Things get, we'll have to see how it all, all unfolds, but this is the big question because. Yeah. Yeah, this kind of happened. This happened to Mike before actually with the raw unity meet back, you know, what, 10, 12 years right? ago it was where basically, I mean, obviously you can tell the story, but. You know, he you competed. I think it was it one year or two years, whatever it was. And then the next year, mm-hmm. the IPF USAPL kind of stepped in, and was like, "You guys are done with this competition. No more um, US lift, sure. USAPL lifters in this one." So, sure, yeah, that definitely did happen. And I mean, difference that that would be a, a thing. You know, if you're going to appear on the official results of the, the competition. Um, but I, I mean, I'm wondering if it's even in the IPF's best interest to start like laying down the hand hammer on just any and everybody who steps over the line. I mean, they're going to be interested in retaining talent too. You know, so honestly, I mean, this is one of those uh, market situations where hopefully uh, the lifters come away with some power in this because 
you have, now you have more organizations who are buying for Mr. Fader. Well, that's true too. Me an optimist, I guess. Well, it, it is true though. Uh, there is, you know, competition is good as they say. And um, so you will have options as a lifter. And uh, yeah, it, it'd be tough to see. You don't want to certainly want to move in directions that would push people away if you're um, the IPF. And I, do, I, you know, I honestly, I, it's hard for me to fathom they're coming down at the local level, um, suspending someone for handling someone at a local high school. You know, some meat was held in a high school garage or a high school gym. I mean, um, you know, so that's not how president usually was set. So I, I, I don't know. It's we'll have to see how it all unfolds, but I agree with you. And there's other feds, there's like the USPA and, you know, there's other global or other national bodies that are of decent enough size now. So this is getting, it's getting a little bit stuffy here in the U S you know, where these are not small feds, you know, if it's really super small fed, whatever, you know, it, it doesn't super matter if you're kind of somewhat respect respectfully in the backwoods, no one's super worried about it. But these are going to be some pretty – we have a three big size feds now with the USAPL, the new affiliate, uh, Powerlifting America, and the USPA. We got, we got ourselves – you know, it's going to get interesting in the next year. Um, do you think we should maybe well, – we have two, in- two big feds and a uh, one-person federation right now. One-person fed right now, yeah. You're right. Uh, as of right now, exactly. We don't uh, – yeah, things got to pick up quick. And, and – yeah. That's another thing. Like, I don't know, like in terms of timeline, how quickly, like, obviously it's going to grow, but um, how quickly, you know, how quickly meet directors come over only kind of like Mike said, only time will tell. And then, um, you well, know, a part of the issue too, is like, there is no time really. Right. So like, you know, if you look at the calendar for next year, you have bench worlds is in May, you know, uh, classic worlds is in June, you know, uh, junior worlds is in August. So like, those meets or those qualifications of they got to figure out how they're going to do that pretty quickly um, and, and have these championships or have the selections in place or whatever it is. Cause like, you know, you're talking about, you know, it's November now, but like, you know, six months is, is damn quick, right. To, you know, have, you know, set up the competition, have the competition set up so people prep for it. Then you're talking about getting all the information and all that stuff done to send out the nominations, which are normally, what is it 30 days before 60 days before um 60 days, before. 60 days before so now you're now you're cutting the timeline down you know two months before that so it's you know yes only time will tell but there's also a little pressure cooker there if they want to be ready for 2022 for the organizers 100 percent. that's yeah. why the first year is going to be probably um you know a lot of qualifying type of competitions being put together for people who want to go the the ipf worlds route or international route there's other international competitions besides worlds obviously and um you know so they'll have things like that put together and then the next year builds a little more and the next year builds a little more like that uh i think initially it'll be a bit of a scramble to get some qualifying meets up and maybe you have a couple big super meets with some big names if you can whoever wants to come over that's a bigger name and you know, see what happens. It is, I, I, the one thing I'll say, it looks like, well, I think all parties near the end saw this coming. Like we would be, I mean, way back. We, I can't even remember when the last time we, I can't, I don't remember. I don't know if you do Mike, when we had that podcast, but we already saw it. We were already talking about like, Oh my gosh. And how long ago was that podcast? It's been some months. I think it's been a while. Was it in the same year or was that last year? 
trying to think here. It's been, man, time flies and it's COVID time. So things really time is hard to check. Our boy Rory's been locked down for, he's like essentially on house arrest in New Zealand. Uh, time flies, but it's been a long time. And a lot of people, you know, I'd seen in the comments, some people like, oh, wow, how'd they get this new federation up and running so quickly? And, and like, well, that's kind of suspect. And I'm like, hey, I mean, we kind of all seen some things coming, but you were always going to have a contingency plan. Like you're always, you cannot be left without being at least semi ready for an announcement. But by no means do we see a, a competition schedule up or something like that. Like when we say a Fed is up, kind of like Bill said, all right, we don't have a schedule or anything yet. So it's not right now. It's just look at something. It's more or less a press release stating things are going to be in place you know, and calming some nerves that way. Um, but holy smokes, maybe we should get into the press releases. Uh, maybe oh, that's do you want it. me to read that? Yeah, you know what? That'd be awesome. Cool. Uh, so I've got the USAPL one open first. Um, I'll, I'll basically read them the order they were released in. Um, I'm, I'm going to read this press release sort of exactly as it's written. Uh, uh, and I'll point out afterwards that there are actually a couple of like factual inaccuracies in here, but I'll, I'll, I'll read it as written first. Um, so today, uh, so this was published a couple of days ago, uh, today USAPL is no longer a member of the International Powerlifting Federation. The IPF president, Gaston Farage, called for an extraordinary Congress session in Stavanger, Norway, to remove United States powerlifting. The decision came from a two-thirds vote of the member nations that were present at the IPF. Of the 150-plus member nations of the IPF, just 28 present, and of those 28, only 23 voted to remove USAPL. The vote took place after USAPL executives presented facts to the IPF Congress. Those facts included raw data showing the USAPL performs 100% water tests of its national and international athletes and drug tests 18.9% of athletes at every other level of competition, far exceeding any other member nation's testing program. For example, in 2019, these tests numbered 3,110 total tests, 720 water tests, 206 in-meat tests, and 514 out-of-meat tests. I'll stop there. The entire press release is quite long, and it starts going off sort of off on a tangent after that. Um, but that was the release. Um, I will point out that there were 27 countries present, not 28. Um, and there are not 150-plus member nations of the IPF. There are 115 full voting, well, 114 now full voting members of the uh, IPF, there were 115 at the time the uh, vote took place. Um, and we actually know which four countries abstained. It was uh, Denmark, Japan, uh, Taiwan. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Um, and the USAPL. Got you. Um, so, yeah. It, so that was the US. And then they, they go into a bit of like what they were, they're, they're looking to do with the uh, pro series. Yeah. Um giving a little bit of details and some ideas and, and they're probably going to expand on that in the future. I'm assuming as well. And then yep. the IPF then a day later or two days later released theirs. It was about a day later. Yeah. Um, the IPF one is very short. Um, it's the IPF announces powerlifting America. Oh, sorry. Wrong one. Uh, the IPF held an extraordinary general assembly, general assembly at time and date in Stavanger, Norway to hear a motion to expel USAPL from the IPF. Uh, this was the result of USAPL's non-compliance with the WADA code and ongoing violations of the code, even after their suspension. At that meeting, the USAPL were given an opportunity to present their position to the IPF and then responded with an explanation of their own position. Several questions were asked by member federations and those were duly answered before a vote was taken. Four of the 27 represented nations abstained, leaving 23 counting votes. These three, 23 votes were unanimously in favor of the motion and it was duly passed. This is a clear message from the IPF that we will not tolerate any violation of the water code and all member nations must be fully compliant. So I think we'd all agree. We probably want to see more people 
being able to vote on these things. I'm not saying that would have changed the direction. It looks like the feeling was, was unanimous. I'd like to speak to that actually, Um, because that's a, that's a really interesting note. Um, So the way that these Congresses work is that uh, every country who is president, uh, who is a member nation of the IPF is allowed to send somebody to these Congresses, um, but it must be in person. There was one exception, which was, uh, was that earlier this year um, for some, from some changes because of the travel restrictions due to COVID. Um, But actually almost all Congress events have very few people there. So I mentioned we have 114 now full member nations as well as a number of provisional members. Um, And actually the fact that these are taken, these votes are taken almost exclusively in Europe and must be in person actually excludes a large number of nations from being able to participate meaningfully. Um, So if you imagine like New Zealand wasn't able to go because if we leave the country, we can't get back in at the moment. Um, And so we didn't have representation there as much as, as much as we would have liked to have had representation at this event. Nauru didn't have representation there because they don't have $5,000 to fly somebody to Norway to vote on something for one day and fly them back again. And like you can do that basically through the entire list of countries. And so the people who did end up voting on this were the were members of basically the 27 richest countries in the IPF. Um, and like in this instance, it possibly wouldn't have changed the outcome. But like this is a this is like a systemic thing that happens with the IPF that we don't see full representation from countries, in particular countries who really should have their interests represented at things like the IPF Congress because of the way the thing is structured. And there are things that the IPF could and should do to change that in the future. Um, so it is regrettable that there was only 27 countries present. Um, I think they can have up to two, two people each. And so maybe there were 50 people in the room. Um, but that is not unique to the situation. Every time there's an IPF Congress, it looks more or less like this. This year was a little lower than normal uh, travel restrictions, uh, but but in general, there is much, much fewer than 115 nations present. What would you like to see? Because I know, um, I mean, in my day job, which has nothing to do with powerlifting, we have things like proxy voting and whatnot, and this is like governmental. I won't get into it. I'm an account manager. It is what it is. But um, we have like proxy voting, et cetera. Do you think something like a proxy vote would help? So if I can't go, but I send in my vote via proxy to some other member, who's going to show up in person and give it? Or do you think a virtual? um, Because also in COVID times in the day job, we did some virtual AGMs as well with voting. And this is voting that affects all of Ontario with some bylaws and whatnot. So, you know, we see some governmental doing stuff like that. Like, do you think these are some ways of either, of either of those would be good. And so in my day job, I also go to AGMs that are held remotely. They actually run really well. And like major international corporations have been doing this for like decades, right? Like even before we had zoom and things like that, people were doing this through teleconference. And in fact, many of them still do it through, through teleconference, even though there are things like zoom and Google meet and stuff like that now. Um, so, so doing it virtually would certainly be an option. Uh, Proxy votes would certainly be an option as well, uh, though I would worry if if we add uh, layers of complete like administrative and bureau, uh, bureaucratic uh, complexity to that, we may lose some countries due to that, particularly countries that have uh, like not super good levels of, of English. Again, I'm thinking of countries like Nauru who uh, like may, may struggle with that sort of thing. Um, so I personally, I'd be in favor of a virtual option, but there's there's a there's a bunch of things that you could do to make this better. Um, they particularly do have the proxy votes, though, right? They do have the proxy votes, but you just have to be from that country. Yeah, sorry, you, you, there yeah. must be a representative of that country. It doesn't need to be the president or the head coach or right. anything like that. That's good. But, yeah. it, but so, it has to be someone physically from that country in the room. So, like, I could represent New Zealand, even though I'm, like, no one important in the Federation. Oh, come um, on. But I still that. have to be in Stavanger, Norway, to do it. Right. Gotcha. 
Yes, that's the same thing with the USAPLs voting at their uh, NGBs every year, is that every state chair has a, a vote um, and you hardly get close to half because they would do it at equipped nationals every year, kind of the same as the IPF would does it at the um, uh, equipped worlds kind of thing. And you can send a proxy, but again, your proxy has to be from your state. So if no one from your state is going to the meet or no one's going to stay after to go to the meeting or whatever it is, then there's no vote. And that's why you usually see the numbers pretty low for even the USAPL voting exactly the same way. Yeah, so a, so a better proxy mechanism would be if I can give it to anybody else right. to hand Correct. it in. So if I could, I could go, look, Mike T is going to be in, in Stavanger. He lives in the United States. I live in New Zealand. That's cool. We'll do some sort of paperwork that says he's allowed to vote on my behalf. And now his vote counts for two or he count, casts two separate votes depending on, on how it's structured. And that's, well, that's the other do. thing too with USAPL is there's certain, certain members have extra votes Right. So like the state chairs of the five biggest states get two votes, but they can't cast both votes. They have to proxy one of the other votes to somebody else. Sorry. How, how would, uh, so they, hold on. Right. Second. So, so, te- so, <laughs> so the state, cha- so the state chair of Texas, okay. his vote counts, he gets two votes. He or she, I'm sorry. I don't know who it is. Okay. They get two votes, but they can only cast one vote themselves and then they have to proxy the other vote to someone else from Texas that's oh. going to the meet. Gotcha. So okay. now you need two people from Texas to be physically in the room to cast For those both votes. of those votes. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. I guess it looks funny if two votes have Ryan Lapidat on it and they're like, that looks funny. I understand Ontario's good, like fucking Ontario. I understand Texas is going to get two votes. But so we agreed on that because it's a big state and the representation wise, and this isn't totally out of ballpark with some voting anyway. So representation wise, Texas is a massive state. You guys should get two votes because, you know, another state with a fraction of the lifters, maybe they shouldn't have as much say as you guys. So maybe this is the best way. Okay, that's fine. I can wrap my head around that. And then I kind of wrap my head around as well. Two votes that say the same name on it actually looks kind of weird. Ryan, can you have your colleague Bill just sign off on the other one if you're both and you can just bring in Bill's vote? He doesn't have to come. That kind of, I guess that kind of makes sense to me. I guess the other thing too is like when they did that Zoom voting or however they did the one earlier in the year, that was probably the highest vote total they've ever had. I'm, go- I'm just going to assume that because I know it was in the 80s or 90s. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah, Compared it's, to- it's typically about 40 or 50. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm almost positive that vote was like 80 plus. So obviously it worked. <laughs> right. I mean, because there was more members voting, you know, and all that stuff. So um, all these old guys got to get get with it and get on their computer. Hmm. What do you think, Mike? What do you think about all this, sir? Yeah, I mean, I think the more the whole point of having uh, voting in some sort of democratic system is to push power down to the people that it actually affects. So the more we can do that, the better. And like to Rory's point, the more it looks like just like the in club of uh, European nations and everyone else just gets to, you know, eat whatever is served, then the less that feels totally fair. Yeah. Even if, like, again, even if the votes, like, even if the votes would have went the same way anyways, it just looks better anyways, then it takes away that question. So you should go out of your way to, to do that. We'll see. I mean, these are things that maybe can be raised. If enough people talk about it. If you care about such things, 
anyway. If you can't, <laughs> right. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. If enough, enough people talk about it, maybe, maybe change happens. I was going to say, uh, Oh, were, was anybody here surprised that the USCPL did show up, gave a presentation? Like, I'm not, I, I'm not sure. I'm now that I think about it, like, I'm not sure if they were actually trying to convince, like, were they trying to, I saw. Well, some no, they didn't. They did. I mean, they didn't they, vote for themselves. They didn't vote. Yes, they, they abstained for voting. Yeah. So I actually think exactly what Bill predicted happening is is what happened. Um, that they they showed up and they spoke, but they didn't try to convince people to keep them. They just talked about what they were already doing. Right. Like that's sort of what the you know I I wasn't there obviously because I'm stuck. Uh, but. Um, like they they showed up and they talked about what they do and why that should be considered acceptable, not why they should be allowed to remain in the IPF. Like those are those are different statements. And I think I think that's what Bill predicted happening was that they would show up and not try to convince people to keep them. Because I was confused because I wouldn't suspect they would do that. Try to say try to plead a case to stay um, because that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense with some of the other like the other posts they made. And how they're very excited with the future with this. If they were like two days earlier saying, please keep us. Then two days later, like, I'm really excited about what happened. Um, this is the best op- opportunity. So that's why, okay, that makes well, more sense. Do you, do you think, because I don't know of anything, like they've been talking about this pro series for a long time. And I'm not sure what would keep them from doing the pro series as they've envisioned it, even if they were still doing you mean even if they stayed in a, uh, an affiliate, if possible? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, like, you're right. Yeah, if if they can make it work. I mean, my understanding too. And again, I I wasn't there, but just seeing honestly seeing some comments from people a lot closer to the situation than me, uh, it sounds like the idea was floated again to uh, kind of have the separate divisions. Like, hey, okay, for our elite athletes, we can do uh, everything the way that the IPF wants it done, but then uh, more or less a separate division for, you know, the amateur league or however you want to term it, uh, where they would do things as the USAPL has always done. That would be kind of a compromise. Um, unless I read it wrong, it sounds like that was discussed again, but obviously not. It's, it's tough only it's going to be tough because, because it is the same fed. Like I know there was, they were talking about like Olympic athletes um, that are in the NBA and then we'll leave the NBA for their national team and then go on the, to the Olympics. Um, The thing is, it's not quite the same. I, I, we don't know exactly what they work out the NBA. Let's be honest. The NBA is massive. NHL is massive. Um, so what they work out the Olympics, who knows, but I know it's not the NBA's all-stars going in the Olympics. These players are allowed to leave the NBA, go to their national teams and their national teams are abiding by, and they will join and then follow suit. And the nations like those national teams never left the IOC umbrella, et cetera. They're just taking on players from their country and then, so then whatever they decide when we take on Rory, if, uh, you know, the, the national team, it'll be like, 
now you have to do this form, that form, you have to go through whatever the heck, right? So it's a little bit different as opposed to, so however they decided that, um, but if the NBA was like, no, the NBA wants to send a team, the actual NBA wants to send a team all-stars, um, you know, because the USAPL isn't like, we aren't going to be, but we'll, you know what I mean? It's, it's, they're, yeah, I don't it's know how USA, you break it's USA, it it's USA basketball is the, the federation under like FIBA or whatever, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely different, right? They're selecting from this group of people from this league or any league in the world, actually, as long as they're from America. Right. Cause a lot of those guys go to, you know, Portugal NBA, and Spain yeah. and Croatia and wherever they actually are from and they play and they do the same thing. Um, so that's the distinction. But again, it's not the, there's no funnel from there. Right. It's like, it's, they're separate ent- entities. And, and that's the difference I think it was. And I think that's what USAPL was trying to talk about is doing something that way, but then they couldn't because there was all kinds of, you know, legal mumbo jumbo that they wouldn't be able to pull off kind of thing. Well, it'd be um, tough because you would have to then once you decide, okay, then the USAPL is the NBA version of uh, whatever they want to do with proceeds, et cetera. Then underneath that, I guess, because you already have to have a separate USA basketball, right? We'll keep using that. Uh, yeah. So then that has to be up and running already into the IPF or, you know, already a member of the IPF and approved and whatever the heck and voted in, et cetera. And then it does have to be separate. Um like I'm trying to pieces get in mind. It is, it's going to be a lot. It, it's not a small thing to ask. And then it's got to be approved by WADA. So WADA has got to be like, we're comfortable with this as opposed to if we do this, are we starting to set precedents where now Russia will be like, why the fuck don't we do it? <laughs> right. All these nations are like, why don't we have a league where we could do our own testing, whatever testing we want. And then every now and then it, you got to be careful. So I know well, it'd be, to be fair. Isn't that what we say is okay. Like we say, Hey, we want our elite athletes tested with a lot of standard and uh, recreational athletes. We don't care. That's not quite what we say at the moment. What we say at the moment is you must follow the wider standard. And the wider standard says that the Federation gets no say on who gets tested. And so that's actually what the problem with the uh, separation of like the, like the elite tier and the recreational tier or whatever is. And so depending on the home nation's wider affiliate, um, which vary in quality quite a lot. And that's sort of a separate problem um, that, that, that can mean a whole range of different outcomes. Right. But, but what was, what the USAPL is saying is like, if you pick out our top 10% of elite lifters or 1% of elite lifters or whatever it is, um, that is no longer wider compliant because wider says you can't tell us who to test. We can test from anyone. And usually they will concentrate on the best people because those are who we care about. And honestly, the most likely to be using drugs probably. Um, but, but, but they can test from anyone. And I think technically they're allowed to test from coaches and referees and stuff as well, though I haven't ever actually seen them do that. Well, I mean, it sounds like what we're talking about too is an administrative difference. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, You're absolutely right. Which organization do these athletes belong to? And I mean, you can divide that up a lot of different ways. Like you did. Yeah, I think uh, I think you do run into some sort of. Oh, sorry, Mike, you're very hard to hear at the moment. You pause for a second there. You froze sorry, for a second. Uh, you can go ahead, Roy. I was going to say it gets get, runs into some sort of like organizational and legal logistics issues like very rapidly, and I think that's what the what the real issue there is. It well, yeah. It, it, yeah. 
something about um, like maybe national organizations not being like, like, like we can't have too many tiers, you know, if you can't go down too many layers. For one nation, you mean? Yeah, I forget exactly the, uh, the verbiage for it, but um, you know, they don't want there to be too much administrative separation. I mean, I, I think it's reasonable. You know, you don't want to have you know, 18 layers to get to some athlete that you want to test. Yeah. There's, there's some restriction, and I can't remember if it's an IPF restriction or a wider restriction right now, that says that you're not allowed a, a federation that's affiliated with WADA or the IPF, I forget which one it is, is it not allowed to also be affiliated with another federation who isn't affiliated with the first one? Um, and so I, f- I forget exactly how that works, but it's something like if we had the recreational tier, if the recreational tier wasn't WADA compliant, they couldn't be connected to the, the elite tier in any like meaningful way. And I think that's what the where, where that starts getting janky, right? Yeah. Th- that makes sense because then it becomes – you have to legit well that then again that's why like um usa basketball and all the different basketball like canada basketball because all the different nation basketballs will shoot their players over to the nba but they're not the same league they're not the same presidents they're not the same um you know because the nba president like you there are canadian players over there and canada basketball is not the same president as the nba it's not the same you know ec or anything like they're completely separate uh so it would be difficult to try to structure this in a way of unless you just want to like like you wouldn't want to give away you know <laughs> your whole bottom end and just how would you how would you do that that'd be tough it's well, one of the, i mean from there like the details of the proposal are going to matter a lot right like if it's proposed as having a, a entirely separate administrative system that mirrors you know usa basketball and flash nba then that looks different than, you know, just saying that it's different, but it actually all being administered by the same people. You know, so the details of the proposal would matter quite a bit, and I don't have any, any idea what the, those details would be. I think when people throw this out, and they throw it away, out almost like a, a throwaway comment online about, why don't we do it like this? Why don't we do it like that? It doesn't, it's not as investigated as the conversation we're having right now, like, Really, how would you do that? And it'd be like that's because so, and some of the examples are uh, aren't really like an apples to apples example because this is pretty unique. Like, um, like the NBA is not the same as USA basketball. Like we often think the NBA is American basketball, right? Because it's in America, but it isn't basketball USA or USA basketball. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Some people are probably basketball fans are probably losing their minds on me. But um, you know, just like the NHL is not the Canadian Hockey League there is a Canadian hockey league, right? Like when Canada sends their people. So there is like a, there is a definitely a difference. It isn't quite like as easy as people, like if you actually sat down with that person, make explain to me the setup, it might be tough. It might be tough. And then you have to not just explain to me, but you got to explain it to, um, you know, WADA and the IOC and them, and they got to be like, you know, this sounds right or this doesn't, but, um, uh, do, is there another press? Should we talk about the other press release here? I think, was there another, a third, or we? There was there was a third press release. This one's like uh, two sentences. The IPF announces powerlifting America is uh, sorry three sentences announces IP, uh, powerlifting America is the new federation for the United States of America. Powerlifting America was approved as a provisional member of by the IPF Executive Committee on the 9th of November, twenty twenty one. More more details will be announced in due course. 
Right. So that new federation, that's all that one says. And that's pretty much of no surprise. Everybody, I think we all kind of seen this coming. Look at it. End of the day, um, it looked like this was not going to be worked out. I think Larry had said this months ago in one of those releases. Actually, I think it's letter to the doping panel. We don't see any any resolution besides a split of the two federations. Like, I think we all seen the writing on the wall. And before Larry officially said that, and that's a few months ago, I think leading into we seen how strong the USAPL was on social media. I remember having um, some people on, like I remember having Joey Flex on and when this was all happening, it seemed like every week there was a new post. And so he was on, it wasn't on the docket to talk about powerlifting politics, but a new post had been said. And we were like, this feels like it's leading towards something like a head like this. We all felt like this was actually coming to a head this time. This was not going, this wasn't just, um, you know, informational or here, Hey guys, just updating everybody where this is going. This was, this was aggressive. Uh, this was super duper aggressive. There were memes about it. It was like, Holy smokes, you were either going to do something or you're going to force the IPF to do something. And we all know it. Like there is no doubt about that. Um, so when we get this far and we're now into November, I don't think anybody should be surprised that it came to a head. I think we, it was pushed to be come to a head, which is fine because maybe the, in terms of like how both federations vision was not aligning. So that's fine. There's nothing wrong with coming to a head. If it's not working, if divorce is the best way you do it, but you know, some people are now saying um, either they didn't see it coming or they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe there's a new Fed coming around so quickly, so quickly. This has been years in the making, and this has been like a slow boil for a long time. And you will not catch either party slipping in terms of not having contingency plans. These are massive federations, both USAPL and IPF. Neither one of them were born yesterday. They knew this was probably going to come to a head in 2021, and they had to be ready with whichever way it went. If something good came out and they could work out a deal, perfect. But if it doesn't, you can't leave lifters hanging um, and have this, you know, these mad scrambles that we saw at this at the previous worlds, et cetera. It just can't happen like that. Um, so you get ready when you have plan A, plan B, maybe even plan C and D. I'm sure you have to, you got to be ready. Is anybody here, was anybody surprised I, earlier on in the year? I was shocked, but is anybody surprised now that we are where we are, where there's a split A and B, there's a new Fed this quickly. Not that it's got infrastructure yet, but that it's there. I mean, definitely not surprised, but like this has been going on for so long now. It's like surreal that it's actually here, right? It's like, you know, you're waiting all year for, and this is a bad, a bad example, but like Christmas to come, right? Because like that's the anticipation of like that date, right? And then all of a sudden now it's here. Then it's like, okay, I got all this stuff. Now what do I do? Now, now what do I do, right? Like, you know, 2019 at the USAPL NGB meeting, Larry, the president was talking about, um, you know, the whole struggles with the IPF and the drug testing and how, you know, eventually that we were either going to leave the IPF or they would vote us out. And that he was talking about, you know, the, the pro series, that that's an idea they were kind of been floating around for a while and that kind of stuff. So, like, if people were paying attention, this shouldn't really surprise anybody, but it is just surreal that it's finally here, right? It's like we've been it's, – it's been building, 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 and now it's here is, like, this is surreal, I guess, what it is. It's not necessarily surprising, but just weird. <laughs> I, 
100% could, yes. Like, um, there was always been, like, I, so I'm not at those meetings, okay? Again, I'm not American, but when I hear some of the Americans that were at some of these meetings and remember some of the, the you know, some of the speeches being given, talking about, look, we're facing this. Um, these are some of the outcomes that might happen. We might need to start thinking about a split or we might need to start thinking about whatever, or maybe something's going to happen down the line where we're forced to do certain decisions. And, um, but the thing is when you're there at the time, like, I bet you some people in the room are like, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. But at the back of your head, you're thinking like something will happen in the 11th hour or like, you know, you just think like somebody's going to blink, uh, someone will blink first, something will happen. It always, it always works out because it's been a little bit tumultuous for, for quite some time now. And then um, this year I had a feeling like, Oh my gosh. Like when we had the first uh, podcast with Mike, which is quite some time ago, um, we were like, this feels like we, 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 it felt real enough that we had to start talking. Like, you know, some people in the comments were like, just leave LOL, et cetera. And we were like, guys, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's not go this route yet. Let's see if we could do something like, you know, this could get messy. And then, um, holy smokes, man, now that we're here, we, the closer and closer we got, the more and more we were like, yeah, this is going to happen. And we know it's going to happen. Uh, Larry. Yeah, I remember right? talking about it and kind of all of us were framing it as not really seeing a way out, but being hopeful that somebody would think of something. <laughs> That's that's like a bunch of guys in a car go headlong into driving into something. We're kind of looking at each other like, well, the brakes aren't working. Or is anybody here religious? You know, like we need to start. But we were, it, it felt like that. It literally felt like we were all on that podcast thinking, like, I think we're I think we're gonna I think we're on a collision course here, fellas, but we're still kind of hopeful. Hopefully something happens. You know, hopefully something gets worked out. But then um I think the biggest is like when it was outwardly, when it was completely outwardly said, like when U.S. got suspended, I think that's when it's like, ah, crap, this isn't good. Then when they were suspended in Larry's, <laughs> that, well, that's like, this is, we, I mean, had the U.S. ever been, has USAPL ever been suspended by the IPF? It was, it was close a couple of years ago because of the international drug failures that we had. Um, but no, I don't believe so. You came with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that year. Uh, but um, that was like 2017-ish or whatever. Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, about was, that. But, um, but, but it didn't happen. This is the first time that ever happened. And then we were like, holy sugar. Um, here we are. That's never happened before. And then um, freaking like that. So that was one warning sign. And then Larry's letter saying, I don't see a resolution. I think we have to split up. It was like a freaking breakup letter. Yeah, it for me, like, it was the... Uh the uh the hearing with that australian judge like up until there like after the suspension i was like okay surely somebody blinks now right like if there was a time like this was this is the warning shot and someone's gonna blink now and then uh you know didn't go to the suspension hearing uh the, to, to the to the hearing with the uh court of arbitration and sport um and letter says uh there's no way out of this and the judge like cited that bit of the letter in his ruling being like there's you know you guys should just break up now. Um, right. Um, so like at that point I was like, Oh, okay. May, maybe not as far as how fast the new fed is going up. Um, it's worth point, uh, pointing out that this is not the first time that the IPF has had to set up a new fed very quickly in a, in a reasonably big country. So 2018, they set up APU Australian powerlifting union after 
the Wilkes debacle, which we should probably recap at some point because there'll be some people who aren't familiar with that. Um, after the Wilkes debacle, talking about him though. <laughs> I uh, don't know what you're talking about. Um, so after that, they set up the APU like really quickly. They had uh, not very many athletes, to be fair, but they had athletes at Worlds like at the next championships. It was only like nine or ten months later. Um, so that that the IPF supported a lot in that. And so they aren't doing this from scratch, right? Like they might not have a run book exactly, but they definitely have like the list of stuff that they did last time and it worked like reasonably okay. So they can definitely follow along with like similar patterns this time. And and obviously from the last time too, what worked, what didn't work, what we should have done. You're like, you know what we should have done or what we should have seen coming or what we should have, whatever the heck. Um, unfortunately, this wasn't the first, this isn't the first time. But on the flip side, what I did like is if Larry thought there wasn't going to be a resolution and the best resolution was a split. And what we were all hoping on previous podcasts was he doesn't drag it out to, for the sake of dragging out or just for the sake of blocking a new fad from entering, which is in, which goes against what he previously said. Like, I believe in an open market where people should be able to choose. Like we were worried, like, okay, you could try, try to drag this out and appeal, et cetera. I am glad it was like, I, I don't think it's going to happen. And they went that route because there's nothing wrong with if two different visions were the same 24 years ago, a quarter century ago, um, you know, and then a quarter century later, fair enough. Visions change, things change. And you're like, I think we got to split up fine. Hopefully like that I can respect. Okay. We split it's uh, things were said, but that happens sometimes when you split up, right? <laughs> some people get heated, some things get said, but okay, fine. But in the end of the day, um, they split and neither party was like, we're going to try to block you from existing. We're going to try to whatever the heck, right? There's nothing like that. So here it's, we are. Well, it's been two days. All right. You're right. <laughs> so I don't want ca- to, the- you're right. I'm just saying, because I know that Larry has been very heated and very adamant about, I don't want to say revenge, but like if someone tries to start a new fed, I'm taking them down. If someone, you know, if the IPF tries to vote us out, kick us out, I'm taking them down kind of thing. So I wouldn't count it out yet. I, I, I have no idea. I have no information about this, but I'm just saying it's been two days. So I wouldn't necessarily say that's over with okay we're good to go i'm being being a little too optimistic yeah 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 well we'll see at the very least i think at least this part is over at least um the breakup's the hardest part yeah the uh, breakup analogy is actually really good right like you you get together with someone you think you have similar visions for the future you realize maybe you don't you try to make it work for a little while doesn't work your visions of the future are too divergent you split up Hopefully you split up and leave it at that, or maybe you split up and I don't know, uh, get revenge. By the Here's the problem. It. Here's the problem though, Rory, me and you broke up, but Mike is friends with both of us. And I'm Mike, a little bit, a side. And, and, I you you side, what, and I tell you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm that type of guy where I'm like, Mike, I don't like you hanging out with Rory anymore. And, and we're going to start having to have this conversation. Um, and that's where the unfortunate part is where uh, there's going to be a, a jockeying around for trying to get lifters and. Right. Well, here's the, another analogy with that. Right. So when you see the breakup and then all of a sudden there's that one party that's like, 
hitting the gym and losing the weight and like, you know, bettering themselves. And all of a sudden you look over at USAPL and they're like, all of a sudden this massive outbreak of social media and cleaning this up and like reposting their lifters. And like, so they've been doing a really good job of trying to, you know, captivate their, their audience there too. So you kind of see them doing things that people have been asking for, for a long time. All of a sudden they're like, shit, we better do this now. And they are. So, you know, again, their social media is getting a lot better and that kind of stuff. So it's their their heads. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Right. So they're headed in the right direction like that, which is good. So, yeah. So you're saying USAPL is about to download Tinder and start swiping? <laughs> they're, they're the hot, they're the hot ex girlfriend. It's like, God damn it! They're hot, hot. No, um, but competition, like honestly, breaking from the analogy for a second here, fellas. But uh, competition does make you raise your game. Like it does make you like, okay, what well, we have to now. You know, we have to start like we have to start pooling in resources, pooling in some of the younger crowd, asking them, what do you think about this? How can we better ourselves with social media? Um, If you're not as acquainted with social media, you bring people in who are, you start being like, what kind of talents do we have under our umbrella and how can we use them best? Who's willing to step up? You know, both parties need to start doing this kind of thing, right? And maybe competition will lead to that. Competition is not the worst thing. I don't got to tell Bill and Mike because that's what America's found on is literally open market breeds competition. You know, like you have to get better if you want to bring in more people. Um, look at me, the Canadian telling you guys, huh? But <laughs> but uh, what do you think, Mike? Don't worry, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he unmuted himself for that. He unmuted himself. <laughs> I just just noticed noticed the the exclusion. But, um, I mean, I'm optimistic. I was hopeful for similar sorts of things from World Powerlifting. With the PA split, I was hoping that you know another uh, serious international uh, competitor would you know, maybe maybe force some changes. And uh, I mean, maybe it will, uh, maybe it won't. But at a minimum, uh, there will be some choice, and people will be able to kind of figure out what like what kind of lifting serves them best. You know. Uh, I was thinking about this, like what at the highest levels, what are kind of both parties proposing? What are they really offering? Right. And it seems like the IPS offering is what it has historically been. They're offering a legitimate world championship. Uh, They're offering historical records. Uh, They're offering potentially a shot at the Olympics, depending on what you think about that uh, and who you're listening to there. Uh, and I didn't really know, I wasn't clear on what the USAPL was offering with this pro series until pretty recently. Because, I mean, initial things that we were hearing was uh, prize money and pretty universally we were thinking, like, that's probably not super compelling, but I don't think that's it. I think it's more like extremely rigorous competition is what they're after. I think they're, I think the prize money aspect of the pro series is the means to an end. They're trying to like get hyper competitive competitions that come down to the last deadlift and that that are exciting to watch and compete in, which 
that as a lifter feels pretty compelling, you know, and there will be some people that are more swayed by that, that than by the world championship international uh, sort of offering. And then there'll be people the other way too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got options, you know, and, and um, how it looks when, when the USAPL decides to do the pro series, like I agree, like the money isn't going to be anything that's going to be like a substantial amount of money. We're like, I'm going to change my plans due to, but it might be a means to an end. Like you had said, where it's like, um, it's not necessarily the money, but it's the concept of, you know, maybe a pro series and, and um, talking about pro cards and it's not necessarily like, gotcha, you don't get a pro card and you quit your day job, but it's might be, you know, I, I, it's just a process, like something different, essentially. How do they structure this different? Cause they have to stay within one nation and then um, within one nation, a fragmented nation now, because there's three, three um, governing bodies now in place. So you got, how, how do you sustain like that? Then you might do, okay, let's do some kind of a series and there might be a uniqueness where there's only so many pro cards available. And then when you get in there, you know, it's just a way of structuring it somehow. Either way, you're going to have these lifters in competitions, right? And either way, the nationals is going to be the big one at the end, but you got to, but people are used to something else besides nationals. Uh, so I'm not sure how it's going to lay out because in my mind's eye, um, the nationals is still the big one. Right. And then everything else leading up to, I guess will be like clashes for, but like, I don't understand exactly yet. Kind of like you said earlier, you got to sit back and watch and see how it unfolds. Um, as of right now, I'm not, I'm not uh, entirely cause I understand they're talking about a pro card, but I don't entirely know what it means. Cause um, you know, I'm not entirely sure how that works. Yeah, have you seen the, the press release, Ryan, or it's all listed in there. I've read that, but it's okay. okay so, but it, there's, is it a very exclusive? You, you, actually, maybe, maybe, maybe we should read this for everyone else. What do you think? I, I think this is, this would be pretty hard to read out to a podcast audience. I think there's a lot of bullet points and sub bullet points and so on. I think, I think uh, for people who are interested, it'd probably be better to go and uh, okay. read it in full than for me to attempt to read out the, the three levels of bullet points within each, like nested within each other. But it is, it is a, it's not entirely exclusive right meaning what's more exclusive yeah like how many how many pro cards are we are we getting handed out and how many what, what kind of is it looking like so right now it's from last year's nationals or from this year's nationals 2021 nationals for the open classic it's the top five places in each weight class so that's 80 okay that's for the classic open then you have the equipped open, which is the top three in each weight class. So that's another 48 there. Then you have raw bench and equipped bench. Again, top three at nationals get their pro cards. That's another 48. Um, what, 96 there. So now you're Roy, talking. Are you adding this up? <laughs> so, okay. you know, that's cool, quite a bit from, a, from, from that aspect of it. No masters listed, no juniors, no sub juniors listed. So you're basically focusing right now on all the open lifters. And I'm sure they'll add some master stuff in there. I mean, they have that one masters pro event coming up soon in December, um, but there's no, you know, masters pro card or whatever you want to call it here or nothing listed yet for going forward with masters. Um, and I don't have these numbers in front of me, but I would have to assume that like, close to 
half of your federation is probably masters, sub juniors, and juniors. Right. So you're basically kind of, I mean, yes, they can all compete in the open, of course, but now you're not giving them any reason to stay and compete for the pro card anyways. Right. For, for, for anything. Right. Cause I mean, cause in reality, if they're not going to win money, what are they going to do there? For the pro at, yeah. at the very least in the IPF affiliate, you know, Palestine America, they have a chance to go to a world championship. Oh, you mean like long, I got you. In terms of the yeah. enticement, if you're like, if you lose the worlds, you're gaining this. So then what you're saying is for those individuals who lost worlds, you didn't give them a gain back yet. The pro series is right. more as of now. It, well, maybe right, right, now yeah, right now the pro series is only open. That's all they've listed so far. I'm sure there'll be something coming, but as of today, there's nothing. That's all. We'll have to so. see. We'll have yeah. to see. I'm sure, though, if we're talking about this, I bet you somebody else is talking to the USCPL about this as well, saying, "Hey, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the biggest complaint I've seen on the uh, the Facebook page on Facebook so far." With all due there, respect, all, we're all, smart the, guys, all the masters but... are complaining that there's no money for masters yet. Well, Obviously, it's it. on Facebook that the masters are complaining. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> this guy, Rory, doesn't even have a Facebook, and he's killing TikTok. So, thank you very much. <laughs> but I don't uh, understand TikTok, man. I don't know what's going on. No, we, we've <laughs> seen, we we know, we've seen. <laughs> You're doing good on there, sir. You're doing good on there. Um, yeah, I guess we have to see how it. The, the thing is, it, it, it is going to be still the U.S. Run Nationals at the end. That's the big one because, like, throughout the year, when you so have, like, so again, they're, they're, that's their beginning of their year. Now, as it's listed, the, their biggest meet of the year now is going to be the Arnold. That's going to be the Pro Series final. Um, so the, the nationals will be their first meet of the year kind of thing where you can actually earn your pro card. Got you. Okay. So you earn the pro card and you, and you go all, you swing around tour, but the final though, isn't the nationals is the big one. Isn't the final going to be a lot like the nationals though? Like how is it different than the nationals? The final so, is the, so I guess they, you earn points at each pro event. Again, this is all such a mishmash of stuff that they have listed here but you earn points by winning your weight class at different pro events. And at the end of the year, before the Arnold, whoever has the most points, the top five females, top five males will go against each other for the biggest cash prize that they have kind of thing. So it makes it look like you have to do at least two, three meets through the year, right? So you have to do your nationals. You have to do one other pro event. You get points from each of those. Seems like you add those points together. Um, so you've got points from two different places added together. Um, and then they, they rank you. And the people who are on the top of that ranking, they get to go to the, the Arnold finals in, in March. Um, and that's where the, the, the bigger prize is. So that, that looks to be the structure. And so, so it sort of starts at nationals and then culminates at the Arnold. So it's like a Grand Prix idea. It's um, like a Grand Prix idea, yeah. So you accumulate points throughout. And then at the end, your points won't matter when you get your points, get you to the end, but it won't matter in the end. You, you, you decide who's the winner of the grand prix at the end. So that just gets you to the end. Gets you to the start, the starting line of the last race. And then you, and then you go from there. Hey, I'll, well, I'm going to have to watch. We're using so many analogies here. It's all over well, the man, place. But we're trying to, we're trying to digest it. I, you, I'm going to have to watch it unfold to see if, if um, the system actually excludes people or not, or if like somebody can jump in, smash, 
one of those and still make it at the end anyways. Or if like you start, um, you know, cause you don't want to make it too, too tough or else you're going to accidentally exclude somebody that you didn't mean to someone that only wanted to lift twice that year. And they're like, well, I guess you're going to kick me out. And that's Ashton Ruska. <laughs> you know, it'd be like, if it was like him, it'd be like, oh shit, we don't want to develop something like he, he's not a good analogy. He's not a good example. Cause he lifts all the time. But um, you know, if there's somebody who doesn't lift often um, you know, that's why I have to see it play out. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if, yeah, I got to see it play out. But also it's just like here. So here it says, so there's obviously raw lifting, equipped lifting, um, raw bench press, equipped bench press. And there's only two events of each for each year. So one is nationals and the other one is one of the other pro events. So there's only going to be two classic events per year and that lead into the Arnold. So yes, there's listed as six pro events that are happening, but they're going to be a mishmash of equipped bench and you know That's equipped full lifting, and then you know raw bench and equipped bench. You know, so there'll be two of each at each one of those. Basically, it sounds like. So they get. It to does the say end. that they're intending to add more to that, though. So right. it may end up being more varied than that. But yeah. I got to see how it works. What do you think, Mike? Are you? I I can't visualize the whole thing yet. I, you know, I do like that they're trying new things because if you're going to break off, try new things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a pretty exciting idea. I like the idea of, you know, kind of earning your spot into the Arnold in this way that it's not just a, you know, having one competition that's, that goes your way or something like that. But, uh, you know, if you've got somebody who, you know, Imagine that scenario where they have a few more events. You know, if you're savvy about which events that you go to, you can rack up enough points to make it to the final. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's cool and it's got potential to uh, deliver some excitement. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. I do like the possible underdog story you just gave where somebody's like, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, whatever, one of the top guys, but I could rack up some events with like just – keep coming out just keep showing up keep showing up to scratch collect my points low key i might not win them all i'm not sure how the points are going to get divvied out but um yeah i mean it's as opposed to possibly a clock winding down you got to try to get your your submission in by midnight or whatever the heck right like it's it's a different way i mean it's creative yeah. i mean you if you're going to split up from from the I mean, global look, body if this is what it takes to fix if this is what it takes to fix the entry into the Arnold. It's a, if nothing else has done that, if nothing else has done that is what I like. Um, and it is, you got to get creative. If, if, if one door closes, you got to be like, what else can we do? Let's try this. Yeah. And look, this could be fluid. This is year one. Um, year two could be different. Year three can be different. I'm sure. Just like we we're talking earlier, the IPF learned previously. I'm sure these guys are going to learn as they go. As a spectator, yeah. if this ends up working the way that it's sort of advertised to work, I think it'd be really exciting to watch. Right, like I think I, this sounds like a cool structure if it gets pulled off well. I like it. Yeah. I like the concept of it. We'll see about the execution. Well, well they've been. I was thinking about this as well. That you know, USAPL has shown themselves to be willing to experiment with some other things too. Like I'm thinking about the squat challenge at the Arnold and some things like that. And you know, if you're willing to tinker with the competition format a little bit as well. That's got potential to be interesting. 
course, you don't want to change it too much so that it changes the meaning of your powerlifting, but uh, maybe tweaking some things so that it's not predictable uh, would also add some entertainment value as well. We could, we could add a powerlifting all-stars where they're not doing a powerlifting meet, but they're doing sort of powerlifting adjacent things in the way that the uh, NBA all-stars do like dunk challenges or whatever the hell that could be fun Dude, i like the squat yeah, so challenge an idea sorry an idea that i heard uh floated would be uh, to have like some competitions be uh raw some competitions be equipped uh and that you could you know accumulate points to do in both of those so like incentivizing some crossover uh you know the squat That'd challenge cool. idea and yeah i mean it, some it would certainly shake things up and, and uh, make it less predictable on who's going to come out on top. But one idea I, I, was, I always threw around I liked um, that they could actually do now because they're not hampered with the IPF restrictions is like a three-person team mm-hmm. where one person squats, one person benches, oh, one person shit. deadlifts. And then you combine the, um, the points from that or something like that kind of thing. Form like uh, that. Was kind of like that idea, so... I like that. Right. Dude, that would be, yeah, I don't, so. that would be, <laughs> holy shit. Come in, man. Do they have, they all have to be in the same weight class, but you would grab. No, 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 no. It could be anybody. Anybody. Just anyway, class. Anyway, class. Yeah. Combine points. That'd be cool. What? Wait a minute. This is like ice hockey from Nintendo where you have like the fat guy, the skinny guy. Mike's got me because we're the same age group. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's laughing, but Rory's like, what the fuck? I hate bit Nintendo. Sounds like a Canadian thing. No, well, that's also true. Right, because if you're using good lift points or whatever it is, right, it, it, it's supposed to be fair. So it doesn't matter right. if it's a 47 kilo squatter or a you know 120 kilo squatter. You know, the, the points should be fairly similar to you know what they're doing so you just add up the points at the end and whoever has the most has the most it's what that again this is one of the ideas that um i'm intrigued i don't know if i watched it if after three hours i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna come back for another but, but I, I would have to see it maybe maybe i'd be like fuck it'd be crazy see like fedeshenko and ray williams on the same team and then freaking in the middle you have like you know what i mean like i don't know maybe i would like to watch it but or or if i saw like six of those in a row in a year i'd be like i'm done that's good let's get back to head-to-head matchups like i don't know i have to see it, yeah, if it was like a, if it was like a one-off one competition a year kind of thing or something once, once a year i'd watch it once a year i'd compete in it that sounds fun <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I do like the squat challenge. Uh, Chance Mitchell, I think he's won it a couple times because it actually shows like heart where you see somebody fight for like, you're like, they're done. That's it. And they fight for like two or three more reps. It's like, oh, wow. Like, like it shows some tenacity and some guts, right? It's a, it's interesting. I don't know if it's going to go over with like the overall things like that fun sprinkled here and there, but yeah, I don't know if you could just do that. Like a, a league of that. But um, yeah, you you wouldn't want that to be like the, the major determinant of the winner, right? Like, yes, that yes, that's that's a little bit here and there. Yeah, it could be enough to be interesting. Like a like a side kitty uh, compared to the you know main prizes still for powerlifting, and then the side prizes for whoever can squat double body weight the most reps without puking or whatever. Yeah. Oh, there was plenty of puking. There, there, there was there was no not much puke. I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, I was back there with one of my athletes doing it, and like, literally, these women are going off and just like right to the butt, right, you know, the, the oh, trash without puking right in the middle of the set. You're allowed to puke afterwards. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe you should be able to puke during, man. Oh, if you can puke during and keep finishing the set, I actually have a great video of that. I'll share, share it after with you guys. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know. It shows some tenacity. But you know what? These are ideas that um, other federations, nations could do as well. Like you don't have to within your own national federal, like, like USPA was always doing this kind of thing in Arnold and um, anybody could do this. Like the IPF song, like, well, I don't think you should do a squat challenge. Like you could do whatever the heck if you want to do a squat challenge or whatever. I would like to see more of this kind of stuff. Um, like if this, if this stuff starts, if some of these ideas that we're tossing out there start coming out and, and they're entertaining, what the heck? You know, why, why not in Canada and the UK and certain other places? Because I've heard some, some things they do in some of the other European nations where they have like inter-club matches and mm-hmm. it's for fun. And it's like, I didn't even know you guys do this. And it's maybe because I'm a little bit of an ignorant North American on, to a certain extent. But they're like, yeah, yeah, we do. What do you guys think? You're the only one who creative and have a little fun. We have this club versus that club and do a bunch of things like that. We've also heard some stories about the, the uh, competition. What's that? Sorry, Mike. What was that, Mike? I said, just be careful. You're going to end up with a strict girl competition. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I have done those before. <laughs> You're right. That's when things get. That's when it's like, all right, I'm out. This is it. What are we doing here? Next thing you know, I'm coming up bodybuilding. and. <laughs> that, that's what every seminar uh, descends into. By the end of it, somebody has loaded up barbell and you're doing yeah. the back room of most world championships between the coaches. It's some something <laughs> like that. <laughs> what were you going to say, Bill? I was going to say I've heard some stories about after the uh, banquet at Bench Worlds. What happens in the uh, old warm up room back there is uh, quite interesting. You know, a lot of uh, un unadvised uh, attempts going on <laughs> slash uh, <laughs> you know. Rip out, you know, AMRAP sets and that kind of stuff. So, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's all, all everything's on the table. And you know what? Maybe this competition will spark a little bit of creativity from all sides. And then all of a sudden, we see these and things can be adapted. You know, everybody, here's the tough thing, man. Once you come up with a good idea and it actually works, you can bet your ass someone else is going to adapt that. And they might even add some extra to it. And that's like in every single industry, right? That that's just like the ongoing pushing and pursuit of it. So maybe this might spark a little bit of push all around. Um, and people are going to start taking notes how things are done. And then, because um, we know like uh, after after Worlds now, the IPF is looking into money meets. And we know, you know, SPD with Sheffield and, and they're paying attention. And there's more of a the more the talk of the pro series as well, and Sheffield was already on the table before this, but um, it's not going to stop there. If this works well, like who's to say somebody like we just had the world's at a Lico. If Lico's like, Oh, wow. Well, that was a pretty good success. And we've, we've held the world championships here. Like things are going to start rocking and rolling from here. It, it isn't all bad. I don't want to get all negative. Sometimes a split and a little bit of competition brings the most out of all of us. If we were jogging across to the finish line before, because there's not a lot of competition. Now we're like fucking neck and neck. And we're like, let's start, let's start racing here. Let's start pulling our teams together, respective teams and start coming up with ideas. So it's not all bad. And I do like, I appreciate your post Mike, when you're like, calm down guys, you know, you, you, you're like-minded in that where it's like, it's not all, but relax, whichever way you're thinking about going, let's just cooler heads will prevail. Um, what do you guys think? Is there any other things we should toss out here about this subject? 
matter? Yeah, it was actually, when is uh, Mike competing again? Mike, you've been killing it, dude. <laughs> I wanted to ask you on some personal notes. Now that we got the, the political talk out of the way, my uh, man, you're, you're shifting some big weights. I know I bother you every time you come on here and I'm like pushing for a comeback. But what's going on here, my friend? He's like that. He's like that new newbie lifter. It's like eh, I'm just not strong enough to compete yet. You know, I'm just waiting to get a little bit stronger. <laughs> it's uh, it's going well. I mean, my deadlift. I'm doing like eight reps on deadlift, so we've got a ways to go before that's like doing heavy singles or anything like that. But hey, so far so good. Nothing hurts. Um, get this 600 pound front squat knocked out, and we can get back to more serious business. <laughs> Dude, that is crazy. It's insane what you're doing with the front squat and the squat and things are moving well for you, man. It's like the, this thing that I've become obsessed with that is not important to anyone else. <laughs> but I'm not going to let it go. So. You can't let it go. You're like, I don't care, man. Because who knows? Maybe this fucking USAPL will have a front squat and Mike's like, oh, shit. Hey, yeah. Yeah, the I'll stars of a line. That's right. As a matter of fact, you're going to send an email after this podcast. <laughs> like, master's front yeah. squat. <laughs> master's front squat. Let's go. I don't know. I think, you're, I think you think you're thinking Mike's a little older than he is. I don't believe he's in the master's yet. How old are you, Mike? Not quite. Not quite. I'm 36. Yeah. Uh, four years. I, well, I, I, played, I played a part of the old man. Because <laughs> you're so wise, Mike, for God's sake. But you've also it, been around forever, dude. How long? How will Actually, you were a teenager in those picks. I'm thinking 2008 I had seen you, but you were um, – here's the thing. When you're 18 years old, but you're like 220-pound jack dude, you look like a grown-ass man in 2008. So I'm thinking there's no way, but you were a kid at that time. How old – Yeah, first, my first uh, USAPL competition was 2003. That's insane. At your time in 2003, there yeah. wasn't people your age around. Kids weren't in. Now they are. <laughs> but, the, the, but powerlifting was so niche you don't put your kid in powerlifting unless your dad's a powerlifter or something like that yeah i mean that was a university competition as well so um that was back when uh, meets would go well into the night um yeah. that competition i think finished at like 11 p.m or something like that <laughs> jesus what? mike how often does it strike you that you've now been lifting for like over 50 percent of your life uh, competitively <laughs> man i i owe a lot a lot of my life to this thing, so, uh, i can't complain at all and, and and how are things going with your athletes there mike uh things are things are good um a lot of it has honestly picked up since worlds you know like especially if you're uh you have like a major competition, you know, your biggest meet of the year. A lot of times there's this letdown after that. I mean, that does happen. It takes a lot of times a couple of weeks to get through that. But then there's often like a slow rebuilding period, but you know, a lot of these guys just hit the ground running after yeah. that. And we've seen, um, well, uh, Alexander Erickson finished up a block like, last week and uh, is putting up numbers that were better than what he did in uh, Sweden. And uh, Steve Ringoot is on track to do some, uh, for some nice improvements leading into Europeans. And uh, Bryce Crouch. I was going to say, because a lot of those guys have Europeans in four weeks anyway, so. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's kind of it's very it's very different the time timing. Yeah. 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 Quick turnaround, but it, honestly, I, it's not like a, a huge meet for a lot of guys at at that point. They're like, yeah, I want to do it. I want to you know, not be terrible, but you know, we'll we'll take what we've got. But what a lot of them have got is real <laughs> stuff else. So yeah, we're we're in good shape. It's it's pretty. I guess coming off the back of worlds Europeans, it'll be a step down. So I know what you mean where it's like, look, I just came off the world championships, but then Europeans, it's got like, you know, there's, it's getting more and more competitive every year. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it depends what you're walking into. Um, and, and you have a lot of international lifters. Like, do you, what's really the breakup of your clientele? Is it 50, 50 or how, what's the breakup if you would say U S versus outside of U S You know, I'm, I'm not, it might be 50-50, maybe not quite 50-50. Um, but one interesting stat that that I uh, noticed is that it's like 50 to 70% coaches that we work with. Wow. So I, I thought that was interesting. I don't know if that's typical. Do you guys know? I'm not sure. You know what? No. Let me Let me tell you something. I don't know if you heard any of the, the Pena episodes, six, six kilo world champ who really led the charge in France. Yeah. But he said, yeah. like, it's interesting. You said how 50% of them are coaches, obviously. And I can't say enough, like anyone who's lifting, listening, if you don't know, Mike T, not only has he like, you know, been powerlifting world games, whatever, everything he's done as a competitor, but as a coach, um, he's the guy that brought over the RPE system that was previously used in other sports and um, ran across it, decided to adapt it into powerlifting. And now we take it for granted. Everybody does RPE. You People mix it in with percentage, but there wasn't even the option. It was just percentage-based. So Mike ran across it, brought it over to um, powerlifting, and then and really started taking over with it. And your footprints in the game, Mike, like Pena was on the podcast talking about how in France there was a language barrier and there was a an older guard that didn't really go outside of France much for much of their powerlifting information. And he wanted to learn English and get better. And he thought there could be a better way. So he started, he said, initially, most people just get these programs passed down percentage base, et cetera, though inside France and France was never a major player on the international scene. Penna started taking your online classes and was like, Oh, holy shit. He said he changed his world. And he's like, I, I couldn't get enough of it. And I started investigating and through this, I'm seeing other lifters, I'm following them and I'm seeing how they're applying these principles. And he's like, I took that in. And for the other people in France, whether they spoke English or not, now we have the conduit and let it be me. And he spread and he, you know, when he first met me 2019, he had Leah Bavois and Naomi Albert on either side of him. And he's like, these two women are going to be something soon. Now they're both world champions. Now he's a world champion. And then several others of them have like, he's had other world champions like Turbo Tiff, you know, the 47, whatever. Uh, but uh, just knowing like, even like when you have it, when they're not your athlete, you have coaches that have brought about world champions, you know, like it's like an umbrella effect where you've left like footprints on the game. Man, that's, I, I did know that about him, uh, but I mean, it's what I ho always hope to do because when I came up through this, you know, a, a lot of the information that I got was 
passed down to me. So I wanted to make sure that I passed it along to pass along what I learned to others as well. And I mean, to some, for some things, there's online classes and stuff like that, but that's also why we put out as much free content as we do because we just want, that's, that's how I learned what I was, uh, you know, a teenage powerlifter. Um, one of the things that sticks out to me is like, I had Dave Tate on my podcast a couple of years ago. And I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, so what, I'm like 14 years old or something like that. And this would have been like, I don't know, 2001-ish. Uh, so what, 15, 16 years old, maybe. So um, anyway, I'm training and Dave Tate was running Elite FTS and they had their online Q&A. And I did this block and my squat didn't do anything good. And so I wrote into the Q&A. I was like, hey, this is what I did. And it didn't work. Can you help me? And he's, he writes back, I'm going to be in the office on Saturday morning at 11. Here's the number. Call me. And I called <laughs> him and he just talked to me on the phone for like 90 minutes. I mean, I'm just some sophomore kid. You know, he I'm, I'm nobody, you know, uh, but he helped me out and like straightened me out. So, um, yeah, like I think about guys like that, and, and that's that's a legacy worth passing on. That's that's uh, yeah, that's a crazy bit. And he had no idea he was talking to Mike T. Like you weren't even Mike oh, T. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Mike T was learning how to drive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mike T was too shy. Uh, had, like, shy to a little say... shitty mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Mike T was too shy, too shy to say hi to that pretty girl in class or something, man. And and now and now look at yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you ended up like changing the game with like your programming and everything you've done. It's does Mike or sorry does Dave know this this conversation happened with yeah, yeah. Still... Yeah, so I'm, I mentioned it in this in this podcast. And I was like, "Hey, do you remember this?" And I mean, he says that he remembers it, which is, blows my mind. He he should be like, <laughs> he should be like, of course, I'm here for my royalties. I'm here for all my credit. I I made yeah, it. Man. <laughs> He's like, I mean, <laughs> you've been riding off my I back mean, for so long. <laughs> dude, it, that, that was that was a really cool thing, though. I, I never forget that. It goes to show to pass on, man, to pass it along. Yeah. And, um, and it is, uh, and that's why I'm not super surprised that you have so many people that are coaches, um, because now you could coach coaches and it just expands from there. And, um, you know, I, I'd be interested in knowing some of the other coaches that took some of your programs. You've worked with the strength guys as well. Haven't you worked with like, uh, on, on a couple different fronts, Matt Gary on different projects and like a lot of coaches yeah. work together. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know that's an aspect of powerlifting that I hope doesn't go away anytime right. soon. Like I really like the uh, the collaborative nature of it. I like the uh, supportive nature. Uh, I don't know, like whenever we talk about changes in powerlifting, you've got to think that the culture shifts and changes just with time, even even without major uh, major other changes, but. Uh, those are a few key aspects that I hope don't go away anytime soon. I 100% hope things don't get too clickish where it's, it yeah. gets like that because um, 100%. Amen, man. I mean, um, yeah, I hope it doesn't end up 
where it becomes clickish like that and like aggressive or whatever the heck. And sometimes it starts from the top, right? Sure. If the top gets aggressive, then other people start feeling like you start using terms and they don't, people don't mean it literally, but like, this is a war between these guys, that guys, the battle is on. And, um, you know, like I can get like, we use these terms like, Oh, it was the battle of the 93s. It doesn't always mean that. So I don't think these people necessarily mean that either. It's just terminology. Sure. But if it's used a lot, some people start, it starts implanting your head you start getting like when you meet somebody well this is the enemy then right or like or like whatever and it becomes like i just hope shit doesn't end up like that you know that's why like um if i'm gonna have these kind of discussions whatnot like i'm i have people on the podcast from like all different federations all over the world you know ipf affiliate non-ipf affiliate whatever the heck and that's never gonna change and i you know, I don't want to lose that on myself either. And I hope I never get too clickish myself. And like, I'm trying to stay balanced and I hope everybody tries to keep that cool head. That's why you're like the perfect guy to have on here. Um, Cause even if we disagree on things, like we could both be level headed and talk about it. We both like, you know what I mean? Uh, that shit can't be lost. <laughs> These discussions can't stop yeah, happening. And, my friend. And, well, the, the, the IPF banquet is probably underrated. In that regard, because it does put a lot of people in the same room and uh, a little social lubricant goes a long way and you know it helps to cultivate relationships and that's something that a lot of people really value about that experience as well so we've got to find a way to, to continue that even uh, in the midst of other divisions yeah yeah I mean, we'll see how it all shakes up, man. No matter what, um, some things will never change. You know, we all got, we all, it's always, it's still powerlifting. We're all still in love with the same sport and we can't let it get too much into our heads with uh, anything that changes like that. Some things will never change, my friends. Maybe we, maybe with this a good point of leaving it off on. I think we discussed a lot of different topics. Mike, thank you very much for coming on, my man. Much appreciated. Um, We got to have you on again. Uh, you know, talk about your athletes and talk about things. And uh, fellas, you're the dream team. Thank you for coming on and doing your thing. We'll, we'll, we'll talk in the group chats. Gentlemen, until next time. See you.